With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Auburn Express. Powered by the Wall Report. All aboard the AM departure from Platform 334, the Auburn Express. We're running on time and expecting no hiccups. Doing the work, hard work to bring you the best Auburn sports content you'll find anywhere. Let's get back to the conversation. I appreciate you guys on a Christmas Eve live stream checking in with us. A lot of great things happening for Auburn. I did not get an opportunity outside of what we did with the live stream on uh, early signing day to really react to the totality of the class. But um, And then we had some more additional people to sign since that live stream. So in totality, 21 commits right now in this Auburn class. Of those 21, um, there are... One, two, three, four receivers, four of the freeze five. I don't know why I need to count that because I knew that off the top of my head. Four of the freeze five locked in. Um, that is Perry Thompson aforementioned with his documentary, Cam Coleman, Bryce Kane, and then Malcolm Simmons. Uh, noted as probably the best wide receiver class in the country this season during um, this season. And then you got three now offensive linemen, DeAndre Carter, Self Wilford, the uh, JUCO transfer, and then Favor Edwin, who locked in after all of those things were happening during the early signing day major happenings. He did get in on board with us later. And then you got this great linebacker class, Joseph Phillips, D'Angelo Barber, DJ Barber, uh, Demarcus Riddick, and then Jamonte Waller as the outside linebacker slash um, Jack uh, backer that we have there in this class. Uh, from a D-tackle position, verbal commit right now, Dimitri Nicholas, so he hasn't signed yet. But then you do have at the defensive end, Malik Blockton, TJ Lindsey, Amaris Williams, great three great defensive ends. And we're going to talk a little bit more about those, that defensive end position because I think that's going to be crucial, again, with Marcus Harris not coming back next year. And then great DBs from Amon Langanis, uh, Kinsley Faustin, uh, Jay Crawford, Caleb Harris, Laquan Robinson, uh, round out that DB group that we have coming in. Great class. Uh, looking forward to seeing what those young men do. And again, we're going to lock in a little bit here on this defensive end position. Before we do, I do want to go to the chat to make sure you guys are getting your voice heard. Aunt Robinson will get us coming here. It says, question, Pavia in the portal. What is the response? If you all did not know, Diego Pavia, the quarterback for New Mexico State, just off of a... Uh, an amazing game in the Plains versus Auburn with coming in, getting the win, has entered the transfer portal 
his coach recently announced his retirement. Like he was stepping away from football again. He had already left. He came back for a couple of years to try to get the New Mexico State program back uh, in a good position. Jerry Kill, very great football mind there for New Mexico State, has decided he is no longer going to be coaching. And Diego Pavia made the next move and said he was going to be entering the transfer portal. And there has been quite a bit of a buzz um, about whether or not amongst Auburn fans should they pursue him in the transfer portal. I have not heard anything about them being interested in him. Diego Pavia does fit really well into a Coach Hugh Freeze system as far as being able to run the RPO. He's got, you know, the, the, the ability to throw the ball. He can make all the throws out there on the field as seen in our game. And um, he definitely has the running ability. He was the leading rusher for that team last year. Um, so is Diego Pavia somebody that Auburn would go after? He's going to be a highly coveted name out here. They are pro- this is one of the things I think I like about the, the, the approach most that Coach Hugh Freeze has taken during this offseason is that he was focusing on getting the freshman class in to build a foundation and not rushing into trying to jump at whatever names were out there in the transfer portal. A lot of big numbers getting thrown out there about what it costs to get, you know, a player via some sort of NIL thing. And he didn't panic on any of those things. And looking for the right kind of fit, I think Diego Pavi is a good fit. Uh, he proved that he can play against Power 5 competition. He proved that he has a big arm. He proved all of those things. I don't know what kind of interest he's garnering from other schools out there or even if Auburn is interested. But I will remain on the same kind of talking points that I have about this whole transfer QB situation. Going to the portal for a QB damages Diego Pavia is an interesting one because he does have limited eligibility left. I think this might be his last year of eligibility, but it damages your ability to be able to hold on to multiple quarterbacks in your current locker room already. So is going and getting Diego Pavia worth potentially losing both Peyton Thorne and Holden Gurner? I don't know the answer to that. I think that he is a, a good quarterback, but I think that Coach Freeze is good where he is with Peyton Thorne right now and hoping that um, year two of Peyton Thorne is much better than what we got in year one from Peyton Thorne. I don't think that that's a bad bet, but I do think that there are a lot of things that they need to figure out how to improve upon with Peyton Thorne in order to make this team truly competitive. You know, the Peyton Thorne, listen, listen, guys, the Peyton Thorne from last year could have gotten you eight wins, right? So it's not a stretch to think that you can get eight wins out of Peyton Thorne in year two with a slight improvement. So, I, you know, unless you're saying to yourself, this is a championship roster and we need to be in win now mode, you don't have to press to go and get a quarterback this year if you truly believe in the guys that you have in your roster to build towards. If you truly believe that a Holden Gurner, a Walker White, a Hank Brown for year three, four, five of your coaching career here at Auburn are going to be sufficive to get you into a championship level contention, you don't have to press in year two uh, of Peyton Thorne to go get somebody else to upgrade you at the quarterback spot. Now, if you feel like you've got a roster that's built for a championship right now and your only only thing that you need to do is go get a quarterback upgrade and you believe that that quarterback actually upgrades you in their one year that they're going to be available then yeah you absolutely press and go and do that i don't know that coach freeze and company feel as if that's necessary right now to do it uh if they do then i don't know 
why you wouldn't go give a look at a guy like Diego Pavia. But we'll see. Um, you know, I haven't heard any buzz about it, but it's still early in the process. He literally just entered his name yesterday. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, AU Curmudgeon jumps in and says, Coach Hugh Freeze needs a whole fleet of minivans. That is a reference to um, the Perry Thompson. Of course, we just talked about this, the Perry Thompson documentary, how he pulled up in the minivan. Um, listen, I, I think that that's a, an interesting kind of thing that he could even play on at some point in time. But uh, we'll see what happens with that in the minivan sagas going forward, whether he's just going to be like, yeah, I'm just going to pull up in minivans from now on. It's going to be a thing. It worked with Perry. Why not it work in other places? Uh, Teresa Vigil jumps in. Keontae will be back as a recruiter after his NFL career is over. I think that the, the Auburn staff would welcome that. I think I think uh, Keontae actually would do a really good job as a recruiter um, out there on the trail, man. He's, had, he's got the charisma, and then and especially for Auburn, he understands the landscape of Auburn University. And so looking forward to seeing him in whatever professional endeavors he – I haven't talked to him about anything like that, but maybe I'll mention it to him, see if that's something he in post career not that i can make it happen at auburn but just to see if that's something he wants to do be involved in football operations in that way tk says k scott he's everybody's guy i i'll let you have that it's not true but i'll let you have that like he you like him a lot but it's not your guy i've been i listen i've been i've been on the, the, the keontae scott uh fan club thing for a while before i think most auburn fans realize what we were getting in that young man and I don't want, I can't take credit for his talent. I just recognize, hey, he's a baller, and I want to see him succeed, and he's done a great job for Auburn uh, thus far. But, you know, hey, listen, man, I'll let you, you know, be, you can be a part of that fan club with me, TK. You know, so. uh, Chris S. jumps in and says, Coach Hugh Freeze is definitely a relationship coach like Gus, but with more structure and an attitude for how to, to construct a roster. Um, I will say this, uh, you know, Gus is definitely a relationship coach. He put in some um, some great time with recruits and, and, and had some great recruiting classes. And this is, I think, going to be the measure of what the difference between the two, because there's a lot of people when Coach Hugh Freeze was hired that said Hugh Freeze is just a remix of Gus Malzahn. He's the same kind of guy again, an offensive guru that's going to come in and revolutionize Auburn's offense. And he's going to get good recruiting classes in there. But ultimately, they're going to fizzle out at some point in time because the rest of the league is caught up with them. Um, and that's yet to be seen whether or not he is going to be a next level coach that gets Auburn into championship wins, right? So coach Gus Malzahn got Auburn two championships, right? He's got an SEC championship. He went to a national championship. He was in those conversations. Can a coach Hugh freeze seal the deal with a national championship? Can he get multiple uh, conference championships under his belt, right? Like, can he go in there and can he come into Auburn and actually take Auburn to that next level and get them back to a place that he's talked about that Auburn belongs in, which is in the perennial championship conversation. Um, and if he can do that, then he will be better than what Gus Malzahn ever was. But to your point, I think that he focuses on the roster in a very different way. Right. Like he is not just going for flash and splash players. He's actually going for, I think, good fits for what he wants to do. He has an idea. This is what I really want to do with my offense. I need these types of players. And it's not as if those types of players couldn't fit anywhere. Like anybody can see Cam Coleman is a transformational talent. Right. Like nobody's sitting there saying to themselves, I could not use a Cam Coleman on my roster. But he has a unique vision for how he wants to use Cam Coleman in his offense, a Perry Thompson in his offense a Bryce Kane in his offense, a Malcolm Simmons in his offense. 
from a defensive philosophy standpoint, he understands the kind of size and speed that he wants to bring along. And this is where I pivot the conversation back into what we were talking about with the defensive end position. And you start to see body types and prototypes. And this is something that I talked about when Coach Euphries first got here and started getting into talent acquisition. You can see the types of players that he likes at certain positions, and it fits molds. Let's look at this defensive end uh, recruiting class that we brought in here. We've got Malik Blockton, TJ Lindsey, and Amaris Williams. 6'3", 270, 6'5", 265, 6'3", 270. He has a type, man. He has a particular type that he wants to be to place certain things within certain spaces in his program. It just is what it is, right? And now, again, I'm not saying that no other place in the country can see a guy who's 6'3", 270 pounds and say that kid could play SEC football. But what I am saying is that if you look at the tape of how they go about their business, then you start to see there's a particular kind of body type and, and profile of player that they're really trying to go after with all of these spots. So, um I think it's going to be very interesting to see how they go forward. I, I got an opportunity for those of you who are not members and you, you won't be able to see this stream. Of course, we got, a, we got to go live during um, early signing day. We did the marathon live from like 8 a.m. until right before the press conference at noon. So like a four-hour live stream. Myself, um, I was in here with uh, Dustin from the Uptempo podcast. B-Will popped in for a little bit. C was in here for a little bit. Um, and what I liked about being able to do that or what I like about doing that every time is just really, for me, I don't follow high school recruiting. So this, when they sign, that's really my first opportunity to go look at their tape and see what they play like. Now, again, they're highlights. So of course you're going to see all of the good things that they're doing out there on the football field. But what I liked about what I saw was speed. Those young men are really they're, they're quick, like they play a lot faster. Like Amaris Williams, like I had, you know, I, again, we didn't get a chance to watch that during that stream, but Amaris Williams played running back. And he was really out there running away from people. Now he's playing in, you know, North Carolina high school. I don't know how good North Carolina high school football is or whether or not the athletic profile of people in that area match what is going to be happening in the SEC and, and if he's going to be able to be physically dominant like that here because he was playing against some guys that were kind of small. But um, that speed was was real. Like, again, I'm, I'm looking at actual yardage that he's moving, how quickly he's doing, not how quickly he's moving relative to other people, but just how quickly he's getting past down markers and yardage and all that sort of thing. He's really moving out there for a defensive end or a defensive tackle maybe if he puts on some more pounds. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he translates that game as a guy who played fullback, running back, um, and defensive line, tight end, right, for, for his high school, how that athleticism that allowed him to be able to do all of those things translates to being um, an, a, a, a multiple-down guy in the SEC coming up here next year. So I, I liked what I saw from his tape quite a bit. Um, other guys that I think speed just kind of jumps off of the screen to you are Jamonte Waller. Like, I, I see why you get a guy like that. Let's go to, to what we have in that linebacker room, right? So You've got uh, a 6'2", 225 guy in Jamonte Waller. 6'3", 206, Demarcus Riddick. 6'1", 220, Joseph Phillips. 6'3", 230, right? Those, those linebacker guys are really going to be, and they're, they're all moving. Like, they're really, 
Like when you see them on screen, you're like, yo, that speed pops out to you. You're seeing guys that are absolutely big dudes moving really fast. And I'm like, all right, if they can refine some of this stuff from a technique standpoint and really understand um, what they're doing out there as far as what the scheme is going to be doing, those young men are really going to, they, they athletically, they have the kind of physical tools necessary to be able to compete in this league. And, and, and you see the kind of rosters that they're putting together. And you see why Coach Freeze talks about talent gap, right? Like he's just talking, Look, physical tools, what these young men do in the weight room and what they can do as far as how they move and their body makeup, he's transforming this roster into a different level of talent. It just is what it is. Like, and that's not disrespectful to any of the other guys. Not saying just raw talent on tape. You pop you, you pop the tape in, and oh, man, who is that guy right there? He pops out on tape. We didn't have a lot of guys like that on this team last year. You had a lot of guys who were super talented, and I still think underutilized on this roster, uh, but you didn't have a whole locker room full of them, right? And in order to be a championship-level team, you kind of have to be able to go two and three players deep. Like the way that our running back room, when um, when you saw Jarquez come off of the field, you didn't feel like, ah, oh, man, well, shoot, man, Jarquez ain't on the field. They're not running the ball this time. They don't have anybody who could tote the rock like that. You know Damari Austin can come in there and tote the rock. Right. But when uh, two or three wide receivers aren't on the field, now you're like searching, what are we going to do for a primary pass catcher? Right. If, you know, traditionally, I'm not talking about this season specifically, but traditionally, if the quarterback came off the field, you weren't looking good at the two and three deep at your quarterback. And we still had that, that, we still don't really know what we have in our quarterback room. I still think that that's a room. I had been high on our quarterback room and the, the potential of us being deep. But then when you see the results on the field, when you get past Bo Nix, you're like, eh, I don't really know. I don't really know like what, what we really got behind him. And so I, I understand why he was the guy because the guy behind him, they weren't ready to step in. And a lot of that was on them, right? A lot of that was on them and their preparation for coming in there. But, you can see at certain positions now, linebacker, ah, uh, man, such and such ain't on the field. Might be a rough couple downs till they can get back. Jalen Simpson's hurt. Do we have any guy? Like, we see two and three layers deep, at least from a talent perspective. Now, productivity, we have no idea. But from a talent perspective, physicality, speed, strength, we've got two and three layers deep of guys who can go out there and get it done. Now it's about whether or not it'll translate to their ability to do that on the field. And I do believe that uh, we are getting to that place as a, as a ball club that will allow us to, to do all of those things. So looking forward to seeing kind of how those young men are able to develop as players coming up here. Um, all right. It's enough of me rambling on about all of those things. I do want to get back over into the comment section. Um, Auburn says, I'm from North Carolina. Football is kind of weak here. So there answers my question right there. Um, but yeah, I, again, I'm not familiar with the, the North Carolina football uh, landscape, right? I mean, I know what it is here in Alabama. I know what it is over in Georgia. I know what it is in Florida and Texas, right? So when you got guys that come from those spots and you see their athleticism, you know it kind of translates because a lot of really good football players come from those states. They're playing, you know, 
collegiate level football consistent, excuse me, consistently because they're playing a level of competition that will allow them to be tested week in and week out. So if you're putting up big numbers in those places, which is why, you know, people get on uh, Mike G about how he was excited about Demetrius Davis, who didn't really ultimately pan out. But that's why you can get excited about a pr- the prospects of a guy like Demetrius Davis, despite his size, is because he played football in Texas. Texas has really good football players at the high school level. So if you're able to perform at an elite level in Texas high school football, you assume that same young man can go and perform at the next level. Again, ultimately didn't work out that way, but that's not a crazy assumption that his height didn't hold him back in high school. So if you get in and you develop him, he were there, if you develop him, then he could potentially translate, but it didn't ultimately work out, but it's not going to work out for everybody. That's not a crazy assumption because you see the level of football that they play at the high school at high school with that young man coming from where he was in Texas. So, um, but there's a lot of great things to be excited about with this class and the level of talent skill that you see on film with them. I'm hoping we can get to a place uh, that we can start to develop these young men and, and really let them see their potential. Uh, because that's, I think, the biggest thing that Auburn has lacked really is we've, we've always had a ton of talent. We have not had an aptitude, an aptitude for development of that talent across the board consistently, right? Like there, there are certain guys who we've had on our rosters that you, you just weren't going to miss, right? Like when I say you weren't going to miss, I mean, you get them in there, they were going to be great regardless. Auburn was lucky that, that that young man chose Auburn. And it really wasn't the reciprocal where that young man's lucky he landed at Auburn because Auburn got him into a spot where you don't see that as often. Defensive back has been a place I think that Auburn has done an amazing job over the last really 15, 20 years of getting guys who might have been under the radar, talented, but needed an opportunity to really grow and expand into the they've done a we've done a great job at Auburn of really getting defensive backs that have groomed throughout the system and played well and played themselves into NFL careers and contracts. I see it there at the, at the DB position. You see it a little bit in the edge rusher position. We've fallen off here of recent. I think we're working our way back there, but you see it a little bit at the edge rusher position of guys who are outside defensive end, uh, outside linebackers who have been able to not come in highly touted, but then they leave Auburn and they have extensive careers afterwards. Where we haven't, and then, at, of course, we know r- running back's a little different, though. I think Rob Auburn has been more of that situation where Auburn's lucky that that guy chose Auburn, not because, listen, well, let's just be, let's be honest about it. Auburn didn't do Tank Bigsby any favors. They never really put a winning roster around a talented guy like Tank Bigsby where he could come in and really show what he could do because he had a dynamic offensive line in front of him. He had a quarterback that was really going to take some pressure off of the He never really had that. So the running back position, we've just always had talented running backs choose Auburn because Auburn's been a place that puts running backs in the league. You can go and see. We got league running backs all over the place. So we've always had talented running backs. I don't know that Auburn really elevated the stock of a running back. That running back was going to be you. When Tank came in here, he was going to be Tank. Here, he was going to be tank wherever he went. He was going to be that guy, right? Jarquez is kind of one of those guys. He's going to be a dude whatever campus he shows up on. He's going to be a dude, right? Some of these guys weren't going to be dudes or they were going to be all right, but they really needed some grooming and development. Auburn has not always put guys in position where they can groom and develop properly. 
and there's a lot of reasons around that. I think that those days, well, I'm hopeful as an Auburn fan that those days are behind us where we don't feel as if we're wasting the five-star talents of young men as they come in. Particularly, and this is going to be the first time really since that Malzahn class where you're going to have a bunch of wide receivers that you've come in with a high expectation of, particularly at the wide receiver position. We have not done these young men any services at all at Auburn to elevate their profile once they come into collegiate football. I am hoping that this is the beginning of the end of that narrative for Auburn football. Um, and there are other schools around the Southeast, and I'll, you know, I'll pick on them just because I like to. Bama was in that same position where really, like, if you were a wide receiver going to Bama, why? They're not throwing the football for real. They don't really have a good quarterback play. They changed that narrative. Now, wide receivers see a process from Julio Jones Ford of, of wide receivers that come into that situation and then they can get over there to the league. Auburn needs to be able to do that a little bit more consistently so that those types of talented players consider you a little bit more. And it's going to start with finding the right quarterback. The right quarterback. Doesn't have to be the best quarterback. Doesn't have to be a Heisman guy. But you need the right quarterback that allows for your offense to have liberty that it just hadn't had. And I didn't even mean to play on words of liberty with Coach Freeze, but having the liberties to be able to do things within the system the way that they're designed to work. And the question you still have to ask yourself is, can Peyton Thorne elevate his game to that place if he's going to be the incumbent guy going next season? A lot still left to be determined with that. Um, but we will see as those things progress. Um, all right, let's see what you guys are talking about over here in the comment section. Um, thank you all so much for jumping in here with me on a Christmas Eve, no less. Y'all are awesome out here. Chris S. says that Malcolm Simmons is a running back playing wide receiver. He has run after the catch ability. Should be super valuable. Y'all know if you ever listen to me talk about sports, football in particular, I like versatility, particularly in offensive players. That's why I was so high on a guy like Brian Batty. I think that his versatility allows you to be able to have the same formations or the same personnel groupings out there but give different looks. And, of course, I'm a big 49ers fan. I love what Kyle Shanahan does with the versatile players that are out there on his team. So I like that kind of thing. It takes a very inventive mind to be able to utilize guys like that properly because they don't fit the mold of this is prototypically how I use receivers. This is how I use running backs. You need to be able to do different things with them, and it throws defenses off because you don't really know okay, they're lined up in the backfield, but are they going to, you know, sprint out here for this? Or he's on the slot right now. Is he coming in jet motion? Is he really running the route, right? Like, or is he just going to be a blocker on this play? Like, you, if you can figure out how to use guys like that, um, it makes your offense deceptive uh, to a level that I don't think most collegiate defensive personnel are able to recognize quickly just because you don't have the same kind of time and film study and all that sort of thing. And then it allows you to, offensively just again you can go fast you can move with the tempo that coach freeze really wants to be able to do because you don't have to sub in and out you don't have to go to a sub package to be able to get this guy up because he does this particular thing keep the same guys out there we can move quickly but we can go into different formation groupings because you have guys that can line up at different spots and do different things but that that does take time to rep that sort of stuff and really get it so i think it's going to be important for a guy like malcolm simmons who i do believe is going to be in here early to get in early and not just turn into 
check into the game, oh, they've got some sort of gadget play, but like, okay, we can line him up in multiple spots in this in this drive in three or four plays. He'll line up in three or four different spots and we can do different things with him. Again, I don't know if we're going to see that in year one, but hopefully we'll be able to develop that going forward with a guy like that. Um, TK says that Bryce has the wheels, talking about Bryce Kane. And listen, everybody's talking about, I, I don't know if it's true. You know, some people are like, oh, he's like a 4-2 guy. I don't really know how fast the young man runs, but I do know that he has wheels. Again, you put the tape on and you can watch him run by people. So I think he's got, his his speed is as advertised. Looking forward to seeing how that translates again when, a, when, when you're around a bunch of guys with speed. Are you still fast, right? Like, yeah, you fast until you line up next to this dude. And now it's like, all right, he's regular fast. But he's moving out there. Looking forward to seeing how um, he translates to this next level. As a guy who really, from a size profile, we talk about profiles, doesn't match the Coach Hugh Freeze prototypical receiver profile, right? He's shorter and more shifty, right? But is he going to figure out a way? I think that the success for me of Coach Hugh Freeze next year is going to be on how well, outside of quarterback play, but how well he utilizes the, like, you've got a lot of talent that you can deploy in a lot of ways. How well are you able to utilize all of this talent and deploy it in different ways to get them involved in the game and help them impact the game? And again, a lot of that has to do with the quarterback play. Is he able to distribute the ball to all of the different guys in different ways? Is it going to be where we got to scheme people open consistently? Or is your quarterback just going to make the right decisions? And can you trust him to go out there and go through reads and progressions, both post-snap and pre-snap to understand where the weaknesses are in this defense and how can we exploit those things? Or are we just going are we going to have to rely on scheme all the time to be able to do that sort of thing? And you just hope that you don't mess it up from an execution standpoint. Um, that, too, I think, is the, the kind of the classic downfall of the, the next level coach, Gus Malzahn kind of guys, where it's like the gadgets work until you run up against a team that's talented enough to be able to cover all this stuff. And now you just got to go man up and play. Um, and sometimes you just kind of fall short. So stocking the cupboard helps, but at sometimes, you know, you just need kind of elite level play to get past that stuff. And you need guys that can make plays, analyze quickly, particularly from your quarterback position to get you in a good spot. Um, consistently. super chat here from Otis Smith who says we need to land Harris, the former teammate of Cam Coleman, the five-star safety in the portal from UGA. A lot of buzz about um, AJ Harris right now um, as to whether or not he comes on board with Auburn or he goes back to Georgia. I think those were the two uh, from what I was reading in the recruiting services that, that keep a good track of these things. Um, those were the options that AJ Harris was were the, the two things that he was kind of contemplating was it's, it's really Auburn or go back to Georgia. Um, and I think with Auburn not getting uh, KJ Bolden in this class, maybe they, they turn up the pressure for AJ Harris. AJ Harris is one of those guys where um, he plays the safety position and, do we have enough talent? We don't have a guy, guys that have a lot of reps at safety, but I think what happens in this bowl game, I don't know if something's going to happen before the bowl game, but I think what, what happens in this bowl game may have a lot to say about that if they're willing to wait, and he's willing to wait to, to figure it out. Are the guys who are going to come in and play safety in this bowl game um, that are going to get opportunities in this game going to play well enough to give the confidence of the coaches that we don't necessarily have to go get a guy right now? We're actually really good with where we are. Or 
do they feel like, yeah, we're good at the one deep, but we need some more depth. And is he okay with coming in and being rotation? Like, I don't know how the, all that's going to work out with, with Harris. Um, and um, listen, I'm going to be honest with you again, because I don't watch a ton of tape on guys that haven't played for Auburn. I don't even know how good he is. I'm assuming he's good because he was a five-star, but I don't actually know that, uh, whether or not he's a, he's a, a really good, I mean, again, five-star, he's talented, how good he's translated and how many snaps. I haven't looked into any of that stuff. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to trust the coaching staff on what their decision is on what we need at the safety position going forward. Um, let's see here. Uh, what else are you guys talking about here? Dustin Pace says, the way Freeze talked about Thorne was the most glowing remarks I've heard him make about a QB in his time here. Think it means anything, Ike. I I don't know that I would agree it's the most glowing thing that he said, right? Like, and, and you know, again, I was there at the press conference that they had for previewing the bowl game where he made the remarks about his belief in Peyton Thorne and his ability to win with him and, you know, how he had the most wins of any returning quarterback um, and all those things. Outside of him touting his win-loss record as a starting QB, he said a lot of those things about, you know, his belief in the QB room when we were in the fall, and it was TJ, Robbie, and Holden. Um, go back and listen. Like he said, you know, I think that we can win football games with any of these guys at quarterback. He said, I didn't, that's not me, you know, saying that. That's Coach Free saying that. So him expressing his belief in, and, and, and maybe, maybe there are other things that I'm forgetting that he said about him or I've missed something that he said, but I, I don't know that he said anything particularly overwhelmingly glowing about him that he hasn't said about other people. Um, but maybe I'm missing something, but yeah, a, a lot of this projection of belief is stuff that he said before about quarterbacks. Um, um, he said he was, he meant about Walker. Okay. So the Walker white now, all right. What I will say that I right, changed the conversation there. You were talking about Walker White. All right. What he said about Walker White was that he's a star and, you know, he is going to be, um, he's going to be really good and all those things. That I agree with. I don't think that he's called. Now, he has said about Holden Gurner that he feels like Holden's really good, probably got the best arm, you know, in the room and Holden's going to be an amazing quarterback one day. And like he said some really good things about Holden. He hadn't called Holden a star. That We will agree there. I think that he said some really, really favorable things about Walker White. And, I mean, listen, from a charisma standpoint, Walker White's got it. Uh, from the physical makeup, uh, let's look at what he is. Walker White, the quarterback here, is listed at 6'3", 210, right? Like, so he's a big kid. He's got, he's got the walking off the bus prototypical QB look to him, right? Like 6'3 to 6'5, 200-something pounds. He can make all the throw. Like he fits the stereotype of what you, when you think quarterback in your brain, Walker White looks like that guy walking off the bus, right? So he's got all the physical tools. He's got the charisma. Again, yet to be seen as to whether or not he can actually play in an SEC uh, caliber competition. But Walker White definitely fits the physical profile, and he gives you the the feeling with the way that he talks to the other recruits, and he really got them to buy into the vision of this recruiting class. And 
um, how he conducts himself in interviews, kind of the humility he speaks with, and all of those sort of things. So you definitely see why he he turned the attention of coaches in his direction. Um, looking forward to seeing what the progress of one Walker White is going to be coming up here in the future. Um, Otis Smith jumps back in with a super chat. Thanks again. It says, honest thoughts on Ryan with his teammates flipping from that other team to Auburn. If you were a betting man, would you, uh, what would your percentage be on us getting him? Speaking of Ryan Williams, the wide receiver from Sarah land, um, percentage. I haven't seen anything from Ryan Williams outwardly that says that he's going to flip to Auburn. And, but I will say that the other wide receivers that are a part of the presumed freeze five are putting a lot of pressure on him to go ahead and make that a thing. They want him to come in. I think they want it for the history of it all. Um, Walker White, of course, is doing his thing to try to get it to happen. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest with you today and I'll say that it's less than 50%. It's not a lot less, but it's less than 50% right now just because I think he's been solid with Alabama for a while. Um, I think he's enjoying the, the attention of it all. And he's a young man that's, you know, he's a, he's really like, he's going to be graduating early. He's going to be 17, um, has all the physical tools, all that sort of thing. I'd love to see it happen because I think he's really talented. Um, but Right now, I don't know. I really don't. I don't. I don't have a ton. And again, I've never had a single conversation with him. I can't say I followed his recruitment particularly closely because that's not my thing. Um, but I, I don't have a ton. Of, I'm not sitting here thinking it's going to happen today. But there's a long time between now and when he's got to make that decision. So we will see um, what happens with all of those things. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. What else are you guys talking about here? Uh, James Barnett said he made similar remarks about Robbie when he got here, so maybe TPT has showed him a little more. Um, oh, you were talking about the whole conversation. Uh, well, we clarified he wasn't, he, he didn't mean um, Peyton Thorne, he um, Walker White, so clarification there. Uh, let's see. Randy Weatherspoon jumps in and says, asking for early Christmas gift next year, winning season, and destroy Bama. I Listen, I'll take that every year for Christmas, <laughs> winning season. Uh, not just winning. Like, I'm not talking about seven and five winning. I'm talking about, you know, nine wins or more, including a Bama win every year. What I would like for us to be in. You know, a couple. I'd like for nine to be kind of the floor of where we are. And then every couple of years, if not a couple of years concurrently, we're in the 10, 11 win conversation, even undefeated season type stuff. Um, so, and I think that, you know, listen, I don't think I'm alone as an Auburn fan for wanting that. I don't think the coaching staff wants anything less than that. Uh, they got to go out there. They got to prove some stuff this year and their ability, particularly number one, to throw the football a little bit more proficiently if they want to continue to land some high level uh, wide receiver recruits and buy into that vision. Uh, but number two, and their ability to go out there and get better depth along the offensive line, which I like where we are from our offensive line depth standpoint right now. I think people, like sometimes when you don't see players, you kind of forget about them and you say to yourself, oh, that's not that big a deal. I remember the excitement of Brown landing guys like Clay Wheaton and Braden Joyner. 
Uh, right. And so, you know, I remember people talking about Jeremiah Wright and how he could take the next level um, in, in our offense. And I, 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 I've seen Connor Lou go out there and play well. And so I think that we've got a good reservoir. You know, I heard Coach Hugh Freeze talk highly about a guy like, um, what was the kid's name um, that played center last year? Golly, I can't hate when I have brain farts like that. Y'all know who I'm talking about, uh, interior difficult lineman. Tate Johnson. I, I, I heard him talk highly about Tate Johnson and his leadership. And one thing I will say, I heard good things about Tut going into last season. And I was like, really? Oh, okay. But then he got out there and plays, and he's, he played well for the vast majority of the year. I heard good things about Tate Johnson during the offseason. I'm going to now start to trust the evaluation of what they're saying about some of these young men along the offensive line and say, well, if you guys think that he's – you know, stepped up in leadership and he's able to go out there and compete, then I'm going to trust that that's a thing. So I like the depth that we have, particularly on the interior offensive line. Still not sold on what we have at the tackle, though I did hear some good things about Tyler Johnson, the true freshman um, that was out there during bowl practice, said he was handling himself admirably. I believe that Isaiah Miller can make some progress for himself. We still have Dylan Wade available there at the outside. Um, you still have um, Jaden Muskrat available out there to play offensive tackle. I think that we're in a good place um, as far as our depth is concerned. And then you've, of course, got the true freshmen that are coming in here. We talked about this uh, quickly, but just go back and run through it. Seth Wilford, 6'6", 295, that's out there, played tackle uh, for Snow College. So he has the ability to go outside and do that. You've got DeAndre Carter, 6'5", 235, a great interior lineman. And then Favor Edwin, 6'6", 294, another guy who can come in and add some depth at your offensive tackle position. You know, I don't know how those guys, again, being a developmental place um, of the offensive line is or position that the offensive line is, can those guys in year two and three be ready to step in and play well? We'll, we'll definitely see. But I like where Auburn has positioned themselves so far with our offensive line depth um, with still time to be able to to – uh, bolster that a little bit. So looking forward to seeing what happens there. Another super chat here from Otis Smith who says, Mike G has us beating Oklahoma, but going seven and five. I mean, I mean, Mike G, God bless him. That was the craziest thing. I was watching that show and I was just like, what? What? In what universe is seven and five our ceiling? Like, I don't, I don't even listen. I don't, I don't know. I don't, that, that's not part of my multiversal understanding. Like maybe he's in some other Dr. Strange realm where he sees a seven and five ceiling. I don't think, I don't, I didn't think seven and five was our ceiling last year. And I think our roster got better. So no, no, that's crazy. That's crazy. That is absolute crazy talk. Um, and we would have had a very vigorous argument about that. Had I been on the show when he said that, cause I like, I, bro, what are you saying? Are absolutely out of your mind. A seven and five is the ceiling. You can, Talk all of this. Brace yourself for another year of seven and five or media. I blah, you, I fine. You know, listen, that could be a part of our reality. Sure, I'm not saying that that it that there's no way we only win seven games. But to say the absolute best that you can do, looking with the roster as it's constructed right now, not giving fictional people over to the team. And if we, I'm talking about trot the guys that are on the roster right now out there, go line them up and go play seven and five is not the ceiling of this team. That's crazy. It's crazy. I'm sorry. Again, 
Will they reach higher than seven and five? Uh, it's a lot of scenarios. We are we're going to do our boss toss loss, and if you see where I put the projections on those things every year, traditionally, I'm given a pretty large range because there's a lot of games that tend to be tosses and you know 50-50 situations. But seven and five ceiling is 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 nutty talk. I'm sorry. I ain't with it, and I'm not that. You can call me a bug all you want to. I embrace the bug, but that's crazy. It's crazy. Super chat here from Peyton King, who says, I think Auburn will be better than people think next season. Maybe 10 wins. Our lack of weapons held us back last year. Are we now more dangerous? I will disagree that our lack of weapons is what held us back last year. I think the biggest thing for Auburn last year, and you can hear Coach Freeze talk about this, was the lack of depth along the defensive line. That, to me, was the biggest limiting factor because when Auburn was able to move quickly, go into the tempo, you saw a different kind of offense trot out there. And the biggest reservation for Coach Freeze and this staff with going tempo more consistently was the lack of depth along the defensive line. If you fix that problem and you can get Peyton Thorne into more of his comfort zone with moving quickly and getting the pace of play of the offense where you're the, the same offense that was giving our defense problems during the spring, a defense that turned out to be pretty darn good, that offense that was giving them problems was an offense that was moving with the tempo offense is what was giving that the defense fits during the offseason. When we were moving at tempo, we were a lot tougher team to beat. Their reluctance to be able to move at tempo last year was the biggest issue with this offense, not our lack of talent and skill players. And I will say that until I'm blue in the face, and I think I am backed up by what the coaching staff has said about this. Now, could we use more um, talented guys in certain positions? Absolutely. But that was not the inhibitor for unlocking the offense, in my opinion. I'm just one guy out here voicing an opinion. But yes, I believe that this roster can surprise some people, but we're going to have to bolster that defensive line and give the coaching staff more confidence that we can go fast without punishing them too much. I think that's going to be the biggest thing that's going to unlock this uh, team next year. Charles Allen with the super chat. Thanks again. Says 10 and two next season is what he's predicting. 10 and two, baby. Um, I, I, it's, it's too early for me. And I said this before, it's really too early for me to put any kind of projections on next season. Uh, I'm just not going to say that, uh, seven win ceiling again with the roster we have right now that to me is still crazy i just don't i can't 